Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Good Friday afternoon, Middle Street family. I am your host, 
licensed master social worker Latanya Davison, coming at you live from the Fishbowl Radio Network. I am so happy to be with you on this Friday afternoon. Shout out around the globe, shout out around the world to all our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show today. As always, Mental Speak is here to drop those hardcore topics that the world has shied away from uh, that I believe have contributed to a lot of our, our social issues, a lot of our mental and emotional issues in the world. And this topic today is, is <laughs> woo, it's going to be firing. <laughs> I knew what it was. I knew what it was when 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 I decided on it. And uh, but you know what? I'm 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 going at it. Uh, I came up with this topic from the standpoint that there was research that came out, and it states that this this research actually came out in 2015. Okay, and so as you can imagine, research is an ongoing process, and this particular research uh, stated that the death rates for middle-aged white Americans, particularly white males, uh, is rising. Now, what scientists do with their research is they're looking at trends, and so this particular trend uh, they were uh, looking at from 1999 through 2014. And the report came out in 2015. The reason why the research was so profound is that the expectation was death rates would decline, but they didn't. They actually found that they increased. And so um, the the goal was to look and see, you know, what's the problem? What is the problem? So their expectation was that the mortality rate should have declined by 1.8% per year all the way through 2014. But from the ages of 19 to 65, they found that they increased. Tie that into mental health, which is uh, primarily what we look at on the Mental Speak show. And you're looking at amongst white men, the highest level of suicides of any group. And to those of us in America, it makes absolutely no sense when you look at it on the surface. It doesn't make any sense to us. And when we're talking in terms of what we feel about privilege and access to resources, uh, how does a, a group that's expected to have better access than the other tribes that live here how is it that they're taking their lives more? How is it that their uh, mortality is increasing? So that's what we're going to look at today. And uh, just going to look at some social issues. We're going to discuss some, some different perspectives um, from the gentlemen that have joined me today. I want to preempt the show. I want, you know, want to throw this out here uh, to folks that, uh, you, you know, when you, when you listen to this show, my hope and my goal is that it expands your consciousness, it expands your awareness, uh, that you're able to think beyond where you've typically thought. Uh, you know, something that I've run into this past week is, you know, I'm telling someone that 
you know, there's infinite ways to view any one thing in the universe. There's, there's infinite perspectives, but we only know what we know or what we think we know. And we only have a fraction, right, of, of knowledge at any given time. And so I ask today as you listen in that you listen with, you know, an open mind and expectation of something new that you didn't know. And these guys, we, we've been kind of briefing before the show, and I just I think there's so much meat here, and I think it's going to be an extremely profound conversation and discussion that goes on, and I hope that you continue this after, after, um, after the broadcast. So, again, just want to say thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we're going to jump right in. Today I've got with me comedian John L. Brown. Hello. What up? Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Licensed Master Social Worker Ken Brown. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Of no relation. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not that I know. And registered nurse Shane York. Hello. Hello. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much. So what did you? how did you guys feel when I'm like, hey, we're going to have a conversation about <laughs> about being a white man in America? It's a setup. <laughs> no, I set you all up. No, uh, I thought it was a great idea because when you first talked to me about it, uh, you know, we had a local comedian had actually uh, committed suicide. So it was right around the time that that happened. Um, you know, we were supposed to, I think you had been supposed to talk about mental health. Uh, and so I felt like I'd missed that opportunity to come in and say some things, you know, uh, from my perspective of having to deal with it. So, um, I was really glad that, you know, you hit me back up again and I could come out and do it. So. Yeah. And we're going to get into your own struggle with mental sure. health. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. What about you, Ken? Okay. I was actually pretty excited. I mean, I remember you and I kind of talking about it before and kind of a spur of the moment deal. I'm like, hey, I want to be on your show. And when you told me what the topic was going to be at first, it was kind of like, oh, okay. But yeah, I was, I was pretty excited about it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to to get into this awesome awesome and 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 shane we've had many a conversation yes yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> i mean i was excited about it um when i when i saw the topic i was a a, a little nervous yeah I don't mm -hmm. lie. yeah um you know being a psychiatric nurse i wasn't thinking about one group of people yeah that you know complete suicide i was thinking about the broad spectrum yeah so yeah when i saw the one group was my group yeah <laughs> little nervous. i always I always come at it you know what and and someone uh and i see him on here i think it's row he you know people have have uh taken on my my label of tribes you know we're we're tribes each john what were you saying you said before we got started it's like you're born into the skin that you're in. You're born into the sex that you're in, yeah. and you're in it. Yeah, it's like um, that's. I was talking about how people will form gangs, and the, the most easiest way to remain, keep the loyalty involved, is by use of your skin, something you cannot change. So yeah, you can't just quit being your race and go join another gang. It's kind of hard to do that for right? sure. So yeah, and 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 you know, I put that out there to people that. I'm a social psychologist in, a, in addition to being a social worker that the perspective is that you you are born into a group. Okay, You come into the world, your family is your pack, mm -hmm. right? You look around, there's your dad, there's your mom, there's, there's the kids. 
and that's who you've that's who shaped you and and you're shaped also by the skin that you've been born into and so i think we're just going to jump in but what a lot of people we're not white men we're not white men so we're going to peer through your eyes today um a little bit it's going to go really fast i think a lot of people are (laughs) intrigued but to be i just want to ask the general question what is it like to be a white man in america today what does that symbolize what does that stand for in 2018 Good, bad, negative. And you said we only have an hour. We only have an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that you got three white males sitting here, and I think you have three different perspectives. For sure. You're from now. I'm I'm from the Midwest. uh I grew up in a small town in Illinois. Um, Two black families in that town. But one, one of their moms babysat me. So... My perspective is different. Um, I think my my upbringing was just th- that of, you know, you just respect people. Good people are good people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Um, I never really felt privileged, per se. Um, I mean, we had hard times, you know, when I grew up. So um, the older I got, I never really felt any more privileged you know and I I would find myself getting upset hearing because I'm like all this white privilege around I want some of it because I'm not getting any (laughs) Um, you sound like Louis (laughs) C.K. but the thing is is I think that you know somebody that maybe doesn't know me would look at me and, and just you know assume that I because I'm white I'm I'm getting certain things and I'm, I'm entitled to certain things what does privilege let let's because because you're getting there I, I told you let's just flow with what mm-hmm. comes out what is the privilege when we say privilege we're talking access mm-hmm. right would you you guys agree is mm-hmm. that the the <clears throat> collective understanding of what privilege is yeah privilege yeah. is access special to resources access. yes right. special yes special because, yeah yeah it's particular because only certain people are getting this access to this treatment whether that be but the, the thing about white privilege to me is that we don't see the, our white privilege when we when we're getting it we, we just that's we you know what i mean i don't know if you guys agree or disagree but like every, throughout my everyday actions and when i go out and do stuff i don't realize the privilege i get just by like unless i recognize it like if i'm driving by somewhere mm. and the cops look at me a, a certain way you know what I mean? And then they look, they go, okay, he's white, he's cool. And then it keeps going. Like, I acknowledge, I acknowledge the cop just did that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, like, I just got white privilege right there. But, like, um, there's other times where we don't even see it, uh, you know. And in some, and, it, and the crazy thing is that it's not just from other white people. Like, society in general, like, no matter what your race is, I think if you, if a white guy is coming up, uh, he will get treated differently. Uh, than another person who's black or, or Mexican or any other, you know, minority. But mostly, yeah, I don't think we see our white privilege. And I think that plays into a lot of the mental health stuff. Is yeah. That we feel that other people must automatically hate us whenever they meet us. Even, even I, I've, I know even people that are white that are uh, big into the LGBT scene and everything, and they're like, 
oh, you know, these straight white male guys, straight white male guys. And, like, I'm standing right there, and I'm like, I'm sorry, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I get it. I know why people are mad, and I understand the whole thing. It's just, um, it's just kind of like our turn, I guess. Uh, it's our turn to go through some hardship. So it's like, maybe we should just accept it. What you got, Ken? I see your face. He's thinking. No, you you mentioned how it, three different perspectives, right? Yes. right? Yeah. So um, yeah. my perspective naturally is a little bit different from these two gentlemen because I grew up in a in a small town in the Texas Panhandle, and I am half Mexican. My mom is Hispanic, so in some ways, yeah, I saw a little bit of the white privilege, but in other ways. It was something completely different. I mean, even within my family, um, I have relatives to this day who won't talk to me. We're not we're not close because dad married a Mexican. Oh, wow. I have people in my family to this day who don't have anything to do with me because mom married a white guy. Well, then. So, you know, I mean. So you've seen different. You, you've, you've had that. And I think all of you, a lot of people will say that. A lot of people will say that I, you've, you've had a unique ability to, to peer into. If you, if you stayed in a black home, you know, people babysat you, they're black. You were able to peer into their world in a way that other people can't, mm-hmm. right? Same with right. you. Um, in that sense, what, what has that special perspective given to you as a white man? Like, what, how do you think you see differently than the typical white male that's let's say grown up in the south or you know just never interacted with any other See, groups differently yeah I mean, then you think it's giving you like a um an advantage so to speak i do I, I feel like i feel like having been where i grew up uh you know i saw both sides of the coin i saw where white people can be that person that people think they're being out there like they're there there people are all out there like that but then i saw you know i was able to grow up in an area where i interacted with a lot of different people and i know what is and what isn't right but so when i go like we were talking about earlier a lot of white people were are just uncomfortable and like if they go to like an, an environment where it's mostly black people there they don't like, they're like oh everyone's gonna think i'm racist because i'm white so they get that they're afraid that they're gonna think that thing and it becomes this weird tension whereas for me, I know that if I just go in and be comfortable and spend enough time, people will get, okay, he's cool, he's not, you know. But um, some people don't go to those places just because they're afraid of being uncomfortable for five seconds. And like, Which really may be the amount of time that it lasts because yeah. if you have an engaging conversation with somebody, yeah, it can end that. Right. It's so yeah. funny because a guy was joking with me at the improv the other night. He looked at me he's like, I had to, he didn't notice me without my beard and I had my glasses. He said, I look like the Unabomber. He's like, <laughs> yeah. he like, I didn't know who you were, man, when you came up in here. <laughs> but it's just like, it's, you have these natural, I think, cognitive thoughts. Things pop in your head and it makes you want to think a, th- a certain thing. Yeah. But you got to recognize that and turn it off and, you know, and just remind yourself that, okay, you know, that's just my brain being stupid. I think everybody naturally has that. Is it, are you guys constantly having, do you feel like you're always aware that you're a white man? Because I think that's the thing we, like most of us are thinking, 
And I'm going to speak for the other tribes, right, as a representation. So we're thinking like, you know, uh, he's just living in his world. Like you said, you don't see the privilege. You don't realize the privilege. You're not necessarily aware of it. But are you always conscious of it? Yeah. As I've gotten older. When I was younger, I really didn't think too much about it. But as I get older, yeah, for sure. That's the way I feel. The older I get, the more I see it. Is it burdensome? Is it, it, you know what I mean? It's like, like when I'm in South Dallas, I'm very aware of it. Well, yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's burdensome or not. It's just it's just a matter of... Because I'm, I, I can be comfortable around anybody. Unfortunately, not everybody's like that. You know, um, I think that, you know, sitting on the dart... At the dart station... Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> in South Dallas, you know, I'm very aware that I'm a white guy. Yeah. And I feel, you know, lots of people looking at me. Yeah. But my reality is I'm not going to let that stop me from talking to you. I'll sit down and start up a conversation. Yeah. Because then you'll say, well, oh, okay. He's not, he's not a bad guy. Yeah, you figure out. Because there's, there's bad people. But I still, for me, the privilege thing, I never saw it for myself. Okay. Not that it doesn't exist. Uh, so I, you recognize that, that it exists. I'll strike that. I will, you, t- I will say uh, in certain areas, like when you were talking about law enforcement. Right. I would definitely say that, you know, I, I saw it there. But at the same time, I saw the exact opposite. Um, if I was in a, a neighborhood that I wasn't supposed to be in because right. I was white. Right. You know, I mean, I would get targeted there as well. So I don't yeah. know. That's why I say I have a hard time with the privilege aspect of it because I might not get pulled over very often in a white neighborhood, but I'm going to get pulled over for sure in a black neighborhood. Yeah. And you know, I, it's something specific to what you said, John, I think we're not aware. I have veterans privileges. Like people don't realize being a veteran, there's police that'll let us go just for the simple fact that we have veteran plates. Mm Yeah. Once they find that out. And that is a privilege. Mm-hmm. There are privileges that I have as a woman. There are privileges that I have as a black woman. And I think that we're not able to say, you know, but I think what it is, the, the issue that America has when we're talking in terms of privilege is access to leveling out of any position that you're in based on what you look like and the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. That is is you know what the issue is and so you know the i guess the overall question and then we're going to jump into mental health but i i want to just you know just kind of lay in the foundation of our of our discussion do you guys feel that the burden of that do you feel the burden of as a whole group of america's problems because I think that's something that a lot of people wanted work. You know, when I asked people like, well, what, what do you want to come out of this conversation? It was like, well, wh- what did they feel about, you know, I don't, we, it's easy to blame the white guy. Yeah. yeah I don't necessarily Y'all feel like it's a burden. That would almost be a privilege <laughs> in itself to be able to call it a burden, but like, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily so much of a burden, but it does weigh into my everyday, like how I carry myself, like, you know, um, making sure that, uh, you know, I'm I'm being cognizant of that that's, that kind of stuff. Yeah, recognizing it. But you, Shane, is it in the back of your mind? As a burden, um, 
you know, probably not. And that might be the wrong term. You know, from for me, almost condemnation. Right. You feel a condemn. You feel yeah. like people condemn you. Yeah. 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 For being a white guy. Right. And to boot, I'm a Christian, so you know that makes yeah. me. Oh man, you got that. You got that wasp thing. Right. Mental yeah. aspect. That you're like, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> Are you taking your meds? Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is that I don't even look at. I'm a pretty holistic person. Yeah. You know, I, I work with ages from five. Yeah. To. You know, uh, however old you are. Right. Yeah. And. You know, my reality of the mental health part is, is that <laughs> medication is appropriate when it's appropriate. Right. And I think that um, medication is overprescribed in mental health. Yeah. Um, I think that, like with sickness, you know, antibiotics are overprescribed. Yeah. So how can we sit and say antibiotics are overprescribed? Right, but antipsychotics aren't. Right, you know, mood stabilizers for somebody that you know is out of control, temper-wise. Yeah, you know, and they're eight. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, I, yeah. I, it's just so, so I, I struggle. Yeah, with yeah. That. and we're gonna get to that, Ken. And like you said, for you, it's it's unique because you're biracial. Mm -hmm. Do you feel? like a target you feel like a condemned target sometimes it's yeah it's kind of like well this this isn't my fault the the stuff that's going on it's not my fault um i think too that i think things are kind of starting to change slowly but i think the reason why we're in this situation now is because the the generations before us have fostered this I mean, we yeah. white society, we have kind of brought this upon ourselves, whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, we have. Yeah. And I think that we're guys like that. You know, I'm like, this is not my fault, but I can kind of looking at looking at it from two different angles. I can kind of see why it is what it is, because Sins it's like, you know, you know, our our, mm -hmm. our forefathers have done some pretty screwed up stuff. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think that's really what America is trying to sort out. I think that's where we are um, in in this whole setup is is trying to get to a place where we can understand. I mean, I think we all understand the source, mm -hmm. right? But now, and and this is really what I want to get down to. And in the in the next segment, that's where we're gonna we're gonna head as far as the mental health aspect of it. But you know, I just wanted to have the have a little bit of a light discussion yeah. on you know why we can't seem to get to a place of, of, of understanding that each tribe has its own unique problems and issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of my goals is, I mean, there's, there's infinite different topics that I can have at any given week, but this is something that I wanted to address because of the times, right. Um, the current political climate, the, the social climate that we have, I think is so important for us to have these discussions. And I think everyone needs to be able to sit down at a table and have it. And we can do this globally. Like this is, this is what we're doing today. Um, mental speak is, is, you know, my goal is to provide that platform I want people to be heard. I want people to to know that, you know, their perspective matters and we can all learn from it. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hit on. I can't 
And welcome back to the Middle Speak Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. I'm your host, LaTanya Davison. Sitting around this table with me today is Ken Brown, John L. Brown, and Shane York. Uh, these gentlemen have joined me at the round table. We're calling today Men of Despair. Men of Despair. Uh, and today's discussion is based on the research that came out saying that uh, middle-aged Americans, white middle-aged Americans, are dying off faster than the other tribes. Crazy, right? Because here we are looking at them and we're saying to ourselves, man, you guys got all the privilege in the world. You got all the privilege. Okay? And so what is the problem? The suicide rate. So white males are highest rate of suicide. And again, it doesn't make sense to the average person. Scientists, they, they haven't even come, the researchers haven't even found particularly the, the answers. But one theory is that they're calling them deaths of despair. Deaths of despair. As a middle-aged white man, the expectations are, what are the expectations? <clears throat> you, should be, you should be working at this job. College yeah. degree. College degree. College degree. Least college degree. Yeah. It, uh, you you should be in this kind of field. You should have a house and a wife. Are those the kinds of... Uh, Making X amount of dollars by X amount of time in my life. Yeah. 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 What do they call it again? Hegemonic, hegemonic yeah. mm-hmm. malehood. Mm-hmm. Right? All the typical things that a man should have. Why? Well... I throw this question out to you guys, and the funny thing is what popped up into my head is 1950s TV shows, 1960s, all the stuff we watched in the Don 80s Draper. coming up, right? you got you got to be like the Cleavers. Was that something that was drilled into y'all's head? Is it something that you were uh, – not necessarily? I think I, I, I grew up without my actual dad around. I had my stepdad around that raised me, but I picked a lot of my – like the people on TV that I saw, I'd pick these like stoic characters, it's kind of based mm-hmm. by who I want to be like, and people in history that I would read about. And I think that was almost a benefit to me that I got to choose my influences rather than have some person directly set in front of you that you have to be like that person or what. Their approval is the biggest thing, and you know, um, a lot of people go through that. Um, but I don't, I don't think I necessarily felt like oh I have to be a lawyer because. I watched Matlock a lot when I was a kid. Like I, <laughs> right. I, I, my, my, I did. My mom was like, you should be a lawyer because you like to talk a lot. And so, you know, I had that in my head for a long time. I thought that's what I should be until after I got to college. After the military and after college, I finally decided, like, I'm not going to be a lawyer. You're like, hey, comedians talk a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, 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 right. And they don't have to go to four more years of college. Right. <laughs> but that's the crazy thing about when you start actually having conversations, the, the way that perceptions are going to change today and i think what you guys are doing is really profound is we we make these assumptions i look at you you're a white guy you should you know you 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 should um have uh all the privilege in the world right but in the same thing you also you didn't come up with your birth father either correct no well i mean up until age nine then he was gone and then my um my mom remarried my uh, my stepdad, whom I consider my father. Right. So, so we're making all these assumptions. I think there's that general assumption that, um, again, you guys just by virtue of being born white male, 
You should have it all together. Yes. Mm-hmm. All that pressure. Everything figured out. Everything should be figured out. Right. For us. In terms of mental health, what were the um, what were the messages that you got in your homes? What'd you get? Um, I grew up with both my parents. Okay. Um, and Dad was blue collar, uh, very strict. Mom and Dad very strict. Um, you didn't like. I knew I've I've dealt with my own anger issues, my own depression, anxiety issues, and. When I was when I was going through what I, some of the stuff that I was going through as a kid, mom would be like, "Well, you know, you maybe you need to get help. Maybe you need to see a counselor." But I'm like, "No, I wouldn't do it. Dad wouldn't do it. I know my dad has battled with depression and anxiety. I know he has for years. And the funny thing was, when I first got into social work, he didn't really understand why. But after sitting down with him a few times and talking to him and, and expressing, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is how I felt when I was growing up. This is what I dealt with after leaving home. It started to make more sense to him. And he told me, he said, well, he said, you know, when I was your age, we didn't go to, we didn't go to therapists. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to psychiatrists. You didn't do that. You just handled it. You, you handled it however way you handled it, whether it be drugs, alcohol, violence, whatever it was, that's how you handled it. And so the message that I came up with, especially from my dad's point of view, was you just, you handle it. You don't, don't put it out there. Don't, you know, you're, you know, you don't need to go to a psychiatrist. You don't need meds. You just need to get your stuff together and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same kind of message for you, Shane. There wasn't um, any mental health talk in my house that I recall ever, you know, the first time I think I really ever experienced anything close to it was, you know, when I left my hometown and I saw the guy walking down the street talking to himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that, I mean, yeah. that was really that I felt, uh, I, I feel like that was my first experience. Yeah. Um, Cause we've all seen that guy. And those yeah. people, those about people it. were wrong. Yeah. There's yeah. something, something yeah. wrong with yeah. 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 You know, and it's, I never, you know, I never really thought I, I I never really felt depressed or anything. Hindsight being twenty twenty, I may have been because I self medicated a lot. Yeah. You know, and through my teen years and into my twenties, and I think that, you know, it possibly had something to do with it. But yeah. I don't ever really remember feeling down. You know, I don't I don't really ever re- remember bouncing around and feeling emotional one way or another. Yeah. So my experience, you know, when I first saw that that guy walking down the street and he's carrying on a full blown conversation with the yeah. guy standing next to him who's not there, yeah, I was like, wow, There's, what, what's uh, happening yeah, here? Yeah, because it, I mean, we didn't, even in school, we didn't have a reference. We, yeah, even yeah. in school, we didn't. I mean, there we didn't talk about it. It's funny that you mentioned school because one of the things that really, really to this day sticks out in my mind was elementary school. Now this is a small cattle producing town, right? <laughs> In the gymnasium, that's where we ate, that's where we ate lunch, right? <laughs> all the regular kids, all the classes, we all sat together. Right. The special ed kids, the special needs, yeah, the special the, yeah. needs mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. separate table. Right. And they just that fostered to me that fostered the stigma. That's just like, well, there's they're different. Wrong with yeah, them. you didn't yeah. associate yeah. with those right. kids. Yeah. It was what uh, that's how it was in California wrong with them. for sure. And that still sticks out to me. For you and and John, I definitely want you to really because you're so open 
on in your comedy. You're very yeah. open about ADHD, right? Yeah. We talk about it very clearly. Yeah. Um, do bipolar. you have any other diagnosis? Yeah, bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get? Is it if you always been open about, it or is it something that you had to come to terms with? I always used to joke about being bipolar. I never really knew if I was. I, I didn't get diagnosed with bipolar until I was like thirty, which was like three years ago. Yeah. Um, it was I quit drinking for two years, just around that same time, and I knew something was wrong because I don't even like drinking. So I'm like, why am I doing this to the degree I'm doing it? Waking up on the back porch, and you know what I mean? And it's like, <clears throat> it's 10.30 in the morning, the guy's mowing his lawn next door. And I'm like, okay, there's definitely something wrong. Um, and I, you know, I just remember talking to a lady at the VA, and she kind of knew exactly what I was going through. She even made a joke about waking up naked in someone's backyard. And I was like, what if it's your own backyard? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, that's not good either. (laughs) But she uh, made a connection with me. And honestly, I started taking lithium. And um, that changed a lot for me. But I still have my times, you know. And and so I I feel like I'm taking a risk to go and do something. And I got to be who I really am. Like, that's... That, that's what I was going I was going through a lot in Denver I was living in my van there and so I was going through some dark like you know off medications living in my yeah. van <laughs> down by the river yeah down yeah. by the river down by the local uh, Walmart <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I, I go down there and I didn't, I didn't I ran out of stuff to talk about on stage so I just started talking about the things I was going through right then or, or yeah. stories about my childhood and you know what you were talking about being young I remember specifically being a kid And I would be, I would remember experiencing bipolar symptoms, like being sad all of a sudden. I would come home from my uncle's house from the weekend, staying there, and just changing my environment. I would be sitting there crying, like for some reason something was sad. And then school comes the next day, and then I'm fine again. But I remember having the experiences as a kid, but not recognizing. Everybody's just, stop crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know? And so, you, yeah, you man up. And that's a learned habit Mm -hmm. from a little... Yeah, as you're you're being trained to for sure. dry it up, suck for it sure. up, for sure, for sure, walk it off. What is emerging for me in this conversation, and this happens every time, every show. It, there's one theme that particularly arises, and so I'm I'm also going to do. I mean, I've done black women in in mental uh, health, uh, mental illness. I've done Mexican community, you know, um, and mental health issues. I mean, I'm going to go on and on and on, obviously. Um, I, I have a feeling that I'm going to talk to black men eventually. And I, I, and there's going to be a connection. The connection is going to be as a man, you man up, you move on. I think there's going to be that connection. hundred percent. The difference. And I think you guys are going to feel this and see this. And I got to say it is that in America, given our history, Mm -hmm. that's where it becomes, uh, murky because it's you guys would be thrown in the halves tribe, right? You guys would be in the halves pot. Then you'd put black men in the and struggling to have. Yeah. If that's, I, would you I agree? There's a hard way to say it. I totally agree. I, I think that it's an expectation, and um, but with that expectation, like not to say it in the wrong way, it's just that as a white it's hard. Man, no. <laughs> as a white man, like you have no excuse not to be doing this and that and have all these things whereas a black man if you achieve over and you get over those things you're not always like uh, 
commended for it. So, right. like, you know, and, but it's a much difficult, it's, that's what the problem is. It's a much more difficult route to do that for as sure. a black person in general than as a white person or as a white man or a black man. But that whole thing is already the problem is that it's harder for a black man to, to do that. So it comes with the whole thing that if you're white and you're not doing anything, uh, you know, spectacular, then you kind of feel bad about yourself. You're like, you know, I, I have no reason, I have no excuse, you know, whereas like you shouldn't have an excuse if you're anyone. Right, uh, people right. this, and, the, and saying this objectively, like if, if, if you are a black man and you go to jail, um, there are many times when you went to jail when you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have yeah. gone to jail. And like, there's, you know, almost an expectation that, you know, not, not, not that it will be okay, but like people just, oh, you know, look, he's doing great. He's a black man and he's, he owns his right. own business and stuff. Right. Whereas like, it should be like not surprising. Right. You know? I get what you're saying. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, and you know what, just emerge from that, what you said again, is that additional burden. You're white. Yeah. You're a white man. What oh, the hell's wrong with you? Like, why doing, can't you get yeah. the, you can't get well, it together? What's up, what's up, dude? Yeah. Like, it's I, just, I, I worked, yeah. I worked a lot of jobs in comedy that, and this is where I know that there's something wrong. I worked a lot of jobs doing comedy where I didn't want a lot of responsibility. I take the, the lower pay, whatever, cleaning hotel rooms, you know, the back of the house, line cook or whatever. I take like the, the jobs that nobody really wants. And they always wonder like, well, why are you applying for this job? You know, and that's like, it's because I'm white. Because like everybody that I work <laughs> yeah, with, these true. are all Mexican ladies that clean the hotel rooms. Right. You you do know house. you could be manager, right? Yeah, <laughs> you work in this warehouse. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, don't you? you are, I mean, I'm just saying. Just sign here. I don't have a college degree. No, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think at the end of the day, maybe maybe they see that like military or college degree and stuff, but. There's people I work with in warehouses that are black or Mexican that have a college degree or right. you know have the same qualifications, and when they <laughs> show up and they're expected, <laughs> oh, you're applying for the warehouse job? Like, no, I'm applying for manager, you know. And it's <laughs> like, um, I just I know that there's that huge unfair part of that, and you just feel helpless sometimes. A lot of us, a lot of us, I think as white men, we would like to do something, but we don't really want to say the wrong thing, yeah. comment and, and go out and protest. Like, look at that guy. He thinks he's like going to win points, you know, for being out there. Yeah. And then there's like the line where you don't do anything, where you're becoming part of the problem, where you're not even saying anything. It's like, well, I don't really know how to explain, you know, I just want to not hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's what I think most people See, but I heart. don't care about hurting people's feelings. Yeah, yeah. Shane, Shane, you Ken, you, you, y'all are pretty folks. I sometimes have to do that for a living. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you absolutely I think yeah. that's part of the mental illness part. Yeah, is absolutely. That, you yeah. Know, it's like, I don't want to care what people think, but I feel like I have to. Yeah. Because that, that is who I am. I am the reflection of everyone else. What they feel, what they, their perspective of me is who I am. And that, you, you guys... Middle Speak family, that's that's what my whole part of this, you know, I mean, I stood over it like I literally it, there there were times in in the development of the show and planning because I put a lot into each show, into each topic. And part of what it was that it was like, how do I present this? How do I give a voice to people who if they speak? would be looked at in a way that's dude you got privilege like you can't talk and so my goal here is to 
literally open it up to let people talk. Let them tell you their truth. Let them tell you their reality. Um, You know, as a comedian, you know, we joke. We joke quite a bit. I'm going to write jokes and I'm going to say, yeah, this is what, you know, you know what the white dudes say. You know what they think. You know what they do. But I think... What we're doing is we're just trying to make sense of the reality because we yeah. don't have the answer, right? Yeah. The comedy, the, the, it, it allows us to laugh and to present to society. Maybe someone has thought this way. I'm not saying it's fact, but what you guys are doing today is you're actually giving voice, I think, in a way that you're not necessarily allowed to get voice, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. mental, men, white men, are twice as likely to not seek mental health care twice as likely than white white women um you've gone to get services um what is the barrier because this is weird because latinos and black people the barrier is money right insurance Mm mm-hmm or the maybe, bear. Yeah. right. Some of it's cultural maybe, too. Some of it's cultural. Uh, the Latino community. Right. A lot of it is cultural. cultural. Anytime they go and they gotta get your information, that's just scary. It's like, well, I don't need to do this, so it's it becomes where like it's a risk if you're if you're a if you're a male uh, and you're and you're not from this country and you get right, caught, then you could lose all the income for your family. True. So it's like too big of a risk. So for a white male, what's the what's the barrier? Uh, what are some of the barriers? And I'm not talking the, you know, lower socioeconomic. I'm talking if you're a, I think you, you know, become labeled like label, ego, ego. ego. Once, once you become diagnosed bipolar, mm-hmm. you are a bipolar person, and all your actions, everything you say and do from that point on, is judged within that. Oh, yeah. Have you been yeah. taking your meds? Oh, this yeah. might be a bipolar decision. Maybe you should know. Like, let me just be myself. Yeah. And if I make a mistake, <laughs> right. People that aren't bipolar make plenty of mistakes. Yes, but yeah. they aren't. They don't. They don't have an excuse. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> excuse. <laughs> and that's the unfortunate part. Um, you know, in any group that I'm talking to, when when the discussion is on um, mental health, I'm telling y'all the same themes emerge. And then that's how you find out that you're really not so different. You're not. No. We're in this reality together, and. We're having to experience it based on the skin that we're in, but our experiences are very shared. They're very much very similar. Very well, similar. Yeah. You know? I um, don't think that we I don't think we take enough time um, as a society to really try to get comfortable with each other. Yeah, exactly. You, right. you were talking about that yes. earlier about you know, well you once you spend five, ten minutes in a conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. then that awkwardness goes away. Yeah. I, we don't do enough of that. We don't allow ourselves to do enough of that. Yes, I, even back home, I, I know there's people that I know, relatives or whatever, wh- what have you, they don't seem, they're not inherently racist people, but I can tell they're avoiding going somewhere because that's the black side of town. Or the oh, shoot, there. yeah. And it's like, well, what does that matter? But it's like, why shouldn't we be forcing ourselves to spend more time with one another and put our, like, like say, put your phone down at the, at the post office and talk to the person behind you? And but that's a neutral location. Yeah, mm. that's a, that's a, you that's, know that's, I mean that's, I, that's, I I have friends that, point. that would say, you know, don't go to East St. Louis, right? Especially yeah. not at night. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know I, what I mean? I guess it would be more like, um, like if you everybody knows this. There's two different clubs that have the same name. <laughs> I don't know if I say it on the air, but one is predominantly a white crowd and one's predominantly a black crowd, which they call the urban quote unquote club. 
uh, and you won't see as many white people at the Urban Club, which I worked at a club just like this club that has the same name, but it's in a different city. Wow. <laughs> but, and I was like one of the only, I, I, I was, I would be, uh, it was me and two other black guys that worked security indoor. And most of the people that came there were black audience members. And we'd have to break up fights and people, and like, they're in the middle of a rant about like, you know, white people be doing this and stuff. And like, I got to go and like tell this person that they have to leave now. <laughs> like, no, yeah. you ain't going to tell me that, you know? And it's like, oh man, this is so crazy. But you know what? Like, out of all of my experiences, I realized like, I I was learning a lot about the people around me that I did not even know. Growing up around black people as a kid, I still did not know so many things that I learned from mm -hmm. communicating as an adult. Right. Environment, where even myself, you know, where it's not so much about like avoiding the place, you just feel like I probably wouldn't be welcomed. Is what I think a lot of white people think. Like they don't probably want me there. That and that's going to be a whole different. I'm going to tell you the truth. That's going to be a perspective that I I want you guys because you 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 brought that up and I think that's pretty profound and and I think all three of you kind of hit on that. You're like, well, shoot, maybe you know, maybe it's not so much that the person is racist towards you, but maybe that they're not. We don't know. We you know it's something that we've got to address. Yeah, I don't. But we will. We we're. An hour and 50 minutes, man, I'm telling y'all. You can never get where you exactly want to go no, yeah. uh, or get it all in. And there were so many different angles to come at this. We are not done. We are not done. I want to ask these gentlemen a few more questions, uh, just some of the things that people have thrown at me um, about the current climate, questions that you have a chance to ask the guys. We do have a number. You could call in. You can Skype in 214-717-4678. 214-717-4678. More to come. You're listening to Mental Speak.
Middle Speak family. You're listening to the Middle Speak radio show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. I'm your host, Latanya Davison, licensed master social worker. I am sitting in today with registered nurse Shane York, licensed master social worker Ken Brown, and local DFW comedian John L. Brown. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. So appreciate you. Middle Speak family, if you're tuning in for the first time or you're tuning in again, uh, this, this, these are times, uh, particularly in America, that you know we're trying to make sense of of our reality. I think we've been on autopilot for quite a bit of time. I think we've just been going. We we're reactive. Uh, something happens in our reality, in our society, and then we react emotionally. And typically, the response is. You know, it's going to be whether it's an anger, fear, right? Uh, we get sad about it, and then we go right back to exactly the way things were. And so my goal is to help us to become a little bit more conscious, consciously aware of how we respond to life. Uh, it's time for human evolution. It's time for us to move into a new way of doing things and... Uh, the only way we're going to do that is by, you know, taking control of how we react to things in our environment. It's just that simple. Animals do it, right? Um, there's <laughs> forest fire. Uh, you know, if there's a change in the temperature in the ocean, they migrate, right? They they go about things a different way. They find a new way to adapt, and and um, and and it's time for us to do that. And the way that I do it is bringing up topics that are provocative, right? The topics that uh, cause us to be in balance. And so the goal is to get it in balance. It's not to say that, that things aren't going to happen in our reality, in our society. Yeah, we're going to react. Our emotions are what allow us to know something's wrong. But once we get into that space, we need to be able to move out of that space. I think so many people are stuck right now in anger, would you guys say yeah. in society? Yeah. It's just anger. We're angry. Lots of anger. <laughs> what the hell are we angry about? What are we so angry about? I think as a whole, as a, as Americans, what are we angry about? I think a lot of it's projection. Um, just a, a lot of people. Uh, my, my friend of mine told me this. Um, my good friend Robert Bender. You probably know him. Mm-hmm. But um, he said, like when we're angry, it comes from within that we're angry usually with ourselves about something first and so it's just uh, us projecting that anger towards yeah. something else we're just shifting the blame from ourselves so everybody's just finding some other reason to be angry about something that they're mad at themselves about <laughs> what are we <laughs> angry think. about Ken the heck are I Americans I think a lot of it has to do with not what not getting what we want fast enough mm not getting the kind of change that we want fast enough. Yeah. Expecting somebody else to do it for us. Yeah. Shane. Yeah, I, I think I agree a little bit with Ken there. Um, the instant gratification, um, I think, is a huge problem. I mean, Snapchat, all the, you, you look at all the social, the media, the social media aspects of everything. Yeah. It's instant. I mean, Google. You ask Google a question, 
it will give you 150 million results in less than one tenth of a second. Right. And, you know, I think that has to do with, you know, kind of how society changed, I don't know, probably in the 90s. Yeah. Um, you know, where, you know, I guess when I talk about it, I talk to, I, ha- I have kids, and when I talk to them, I tell, it's not that I, I tell them they can be whatever they want to, but it's going to take work and dedication and commitment and sacrifice. And I don't think a lot of people were told that. And I think a lot of people now are coming into adulthood, you know, without that information. Right. And it's a rude awakening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, school prepares you for the workforce. I think family prepares you for life. Yeah. And if you're ill-equipped, you're going to come out angry. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, it, and that seems, you know, as as things emerge through our discussion, I think the other tribes are then looking and assuming that a white man doesn't have to work hard. Maybe? You yeah. Think I, that's I, part of that? Like, you don't have to work hard, as, as we said before. It's like, you're white. Like, yeah. why would you have to work hard? But you are being taught that you have to work hard, that you have to get out there. You've got to toil. you got to do it. Not because you're white, but because you got to survive. Right. Because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, if you want something, you, you, you set a goal and you work towards that goal. And you put in the effort. Whether you're black, white, whether you're Hispanic, Asian, I, it doesn't matter. If you want something, you have to work towards the goal. Yeah. And I don't have to work less. I don't, I don't, that's not my perception. Right. I don't have to work less hard to achieve a goal right. than my counterpart next to me. Right. You know, I, it's, we were talking about before, you know, I, when I go to work, I give them everything I have for 12 hours at a time. When I leave there, I don't, I don't leave feeling like I've left things undone. Yeah unfinished you know and i think that in doing so i'm setting myself up to be successful right but you know have i have i uh, you know attained that success no because i think if i say yes i will then become lazy yeah wow so then let me ask you guys this because th- this is going to be something that i think you know people do wonder so So when we talk about access to resources, so there are people out there who, if you guys have seen the, is it seven seventy five now? This minimum wage, I think it's seven seven seventy five, something like that. Okay, so let's somebody somebody gets they're they're on minimum wage and there's a, as we said, that's the certain level that they have the capacity in this moment to work. They're working hard, they're doing what they need to do. But it's still not enough. And that person decides, well, I can slave for this or I can just do nothing and accept, you mm-hmm. know, the bare minimum. That person is judged. And we, we just made the, we had the discussion where it says you walk in and it's like, well, dude, you can have this man, managerial mm-hmm. job. Even like, taking like, the, the, the job, the lesser job, I still got paid more. And so yeah. people are faulted group-wise for going ahead and taking the path of least resistance, which would be like, well, shoot, if I'm not going to get 
775 and I slave away and I'm going to have nothing or just go ahead and take the the social benefits right mm-hmm. <laughs> and and just go ahead and do nothing I think that's where you know we look at the disparity does but that make where sense where does the fault lie I mean because you're making a choice I worked a seven in my mid 20s yeah I didn't have a college degree right i worked at a convenience store making seven dollars an hour yes and i was working 18 20 hours guy wasn't paying me overtime which is against the law <laughs> it's right against yeah, the law more than 16 hours yeah but you know i was taking what i could get and it was a stepping stone and so you have yeah. to i mean does it is it fun no no is it easy absolutely the, not the, yeah the only reason that i could do the job i was doing like cleaning hotel rooms, like yeah. cleaning people's toilets. Like the only reason I was able to endure all that is because I knew it had an endpoint that this was just a stepping stone, like you said. But, but the, it's those still people a that came to work every day to to to, yeah. to fulfill that. Is it a choice at the moment that that person runs into that glass ceiling, so to speak? Then it becomes no longer choice. I think that's right. Is it, then. I, they can work as hard to a limit is is what we're do white men have the same limit i think that's really the question that we're asking is it so you're here you're doing the same hard work this person's here doing the same hard work you guys start to level up do you have the same ceiling um i can tell you for sure it's kind of a weird thing because um on on that on the side of like paying minimum wage and all that when yeah. you take the whole like equality part of out of it i have a whole nother standpoint on like what minimum wage should be and all that come with it but but i do think that there is a gap in what like if i know that if i can get paid that you know the extra money that i would be getting paid compared to the other people in the staff who are primarily hispanic and don't speak english like if they do it's very little bit i know that if i get paid more I can't really say it's like, well, you speak English and like, you right. know, you have a car and drive to work. Well, it's like, well, if they're getting here earlier than me still <laughs> and doing the same job, like we're not having to really talk to people. Well, we say it's housekeeping and knock on the door. Like there's, there's not that big of a difference, but if, if take that up, give me the same pay and, and split the rest of that and, and give everybody a 20 cent raise even like, you know, that's, so there's a difference in, there is definitely uh people who get paid more just for being a white man especially but i don't necessarily think that that means that everybody should get paid that higher wage you know what i mean right i I think that um there's a lot to that whole you know it should be a stepping stone if we shouldn't make people comfortable in these like lower level jobs we shouldn't be like we don't want everybody to aspire to be a person that works at mcdonald's or something but, but somebody has to do it. Well, the reality right. of it is, is <laughs> right. that McDonald's but, is, is but meant will to be for be, yeah. It's meant to be for school age entry kids. level, right. Right. entry yeah. level. That's what yeah. that's, that's what it's there. Yeah, for. you should yeah. be. Yeah. So I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay a junior in high school fifteen dollars an hour to serve me a cheeseburger. Then they won't go that's to now going to make the cheeseburger three dollars more expensive. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's an entry. I started working at. I mean technically at age nine because I mowed lawns to make money and I scooped snow to make money. And then I detasseled, which for those of you that live down South probably don't know what that is, but it's 
you know, a Midwest thing where there's corn involved anyway. You know? <laughs> corn. Um, and then I started working, you know, at, at age 15. You know, and they were, if these are entry level, you're not going to be a CEO, you know, you have to, you have to be qualified to be a CEO. And I don't, if you're, if you're a black guy, if you're a white guy, if you're Mexican, it doesn't matter to me if you're qualified for that position, then you, you deserve that position. I don't think you should get the position because of the color of your skin. Yeah. There's been plenty of times too, that I got a job and I thought. I probably don't deserve this job. <laughs> like, they don't know I'm bipolar. I'm going to quit in two months. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they definitely should have hired my guy. Like, <laughs> that was at his last job for 10 years. <laughs> That's a bit right there. So, so here's the deal. Here's another thing that came out of that research. It is white males, the deaths of despair, primarily those who have not attained higher than a high school degree. Mm-hmm. So... There's almost like this, as I read this, you know, especially social psychologists, I'm looking at this and I'm like, so there is this subconscious mental plant, you know, in your mind that says you better get higher than the high school degree. If you don't, you ain't ish. Yeah. Yes. I mean, expectations are expectations, whether it's expectations that somebody places on you or you place on yourself but clearly there's there's a higher i mean because black men aren't based on the data black men aren't killing themselves based off of it you know uh white women are not taking their lives based on it they're not there's something there's some disconnect (laughs) right they're not even allowed to commit suicide what you got ken i see you thinking i think that um maybe i Trying to figure out how to say this. I, I know, think right. society has made it a little bit too easy, maybe, yeah. for people to stay in those roles. Well, I, you know, I can get this job, and I can, I can, I can make, I can make this X number, X amount of money, yeah. to pay for whatever, and then whatever I don't get from this job, I still qualify for these benefits. I can go sign. I can, I can go sign up, but I got to keep this. I got to keep this income level. I got to maintain this level because if I don't, I'm gonna lose my benefits. Yeah. If benefits so there's no, there's no incentive. incentive there's no incentive yeah. to move beyond that's, that. Right. And and that and again, so that's Robert where, that's where, the, the what happens is, those who have quote the privilege to walk in and get the managerial job just based on the skin that you're in what makes it hard for the other tribes then is to hear well just work harder or you know or because there's clearly a block at higher levels Mm -hmm. does that make sense that Mm -hmm. you don't have that is where it becomes touchy go in with a master's degree or a doctorate it depends. It's pretty hard to argue against. It's that hard block. to argue against. So now we're looking at class issues. If we yeah. if we make it on in you know in terms of that, but we can't deny the aspects of. I don't want those people to get any higher than they are. They there's need definitely. to stay in their place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? There's, there's that block there for yeah, sure. It's, yeah. It's tough whenever you, because I I look at it like where, um, I want to make it where, 
I've been that kid that grew up in that poor situation and yes. mom needs help and everything and it's like that you don't really want to hurt kids in that manner by not giving them the benefit like have the they, basic needs right the basic needs to live we should drug test everybody it's like well the kid's still not going to eat if you don't <laughs> but but I think that it's hard to talk about it in the other perspective without yeah. like being a Malthusiast or whatever where you start you know, if you have kids, it's your own problem. I'm not going to take care of them, whatever. It's like, well, I've been one of those kids. And, like, you know, so it's hard for me to say that we shouldn't give any benefits. But there is a level of what you're talking about where your benefits become more of an incentive than to, to stay where you're at. Job. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Like, my, I, I own family right now. I hear them talking about these things about, well, if I go and do this, like, I'm going to lose my food stamps. And yeah. We yeah. see it. We see it in the mental health community we too. We see it. Yeah. As far as like That's insurance benefits say. go, you know, oh well, you've got you've got this you got this person over here that's well to do, and oh, you've got you've got great insurance. Oh, well, let's see pretend, if we can get you a few more days. People pretend to be ADHD to get ADD. Yeah, or for ADD sure. meds, right? People for sure. pretending to be bipolar and crazy to get disability and not work. Yeah. Like now, it's like there's this whole like. Oh, now it's almost like if it starts to be cool to be bipolar. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm like, man, I thing. hate it. Like, yeah, I hate well, it. You, you also you also have these people that that they need help. They yes. genuinely need help. Yeah. But you know what? Your insurance is not going to pay for any more days. So and nobody's going to go. You know, have to work on community yeah. care. Yeah. yeah. Or the unless you can self-pay, and it doesn't really look like you can do that. Get you down so, to the county. Yeah. There's so many yeah. homeless people. I have a charity right now going for this uh, because there's no one really cares. Like people that are crazy downtown, and nobody knows who they are, their families, and that person just walking around talking to themselves. Invisible. For change. They're just mm-hmm. walking around, and people yeah. are just oblivious. And nobody is ever going to stop and help that person because there's too many times when people go to stop and help and they end up getting hurt. Right. You know, and so people are like, well, you don't want to, you know, it's just too dangerous or whatever, you know. And it's like somebody's got to, like, try to help somebody. Like, if that person is mentally ill, like that, we were just talking about that evil genius documentary or whatever, like that. If that person's crazy, they're going to end up doing something crazy. Society that has prevented. made them sick. Yeah. Uh, let me, so I titled this The White Man. I don't Man. think society oh. made them sick. I think, you know, there's a uh, a biological. Yeah, yeah. The biological that's, that's component. made them sick, but society hasn't helped. Yeah. Society hasn't helped. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, in the cases of where we're looking at um, behavioral issues, even psychological issues as a result of home environment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's an emotional response. So in other words, you know, bipolar disorder, you can look at it as, uh, when we say hereditary, not necessarily passed down through genetics, although in most cases it is, but if you take a child and you put that child in a home where there is emotional imbalance, yeah. you may end up with a human being that has borderline well, tendencies well, it's and yeah. bipolar foster tendencies. All that, yeah. It's going to foster all that. Yeah, it fosters all that. So, the, so there's, it's not just nature, but and nurture. You, you, so I, that's what I, when I say you, society. Why? Yeah. And you, you're born with these, you know, predisposed part of the bipolar and mm-hmm. the, if, even the schizophrenia stuff. I've gone through all that. And you grow up in this environment where someone trains you to be paranoid or delusional yes. about another race. Yes. That's ingrained in you. Yes. So, Absolutely. That's so, why we can look at it actually in some cases as so a mental illness. When you right? have all these racist, crazy white people out there, mostly ma- mostly males, yeah. you know, there's some deep-seated, buried mental issues that were they fed this focus from the beginning. Their focus has been hate this. Makes total sense. Right. And so it's like... 
nah, that's what my daddy told me, you know, right. whatever. And instead of, like, you know, finding some other way to focus in your all that uh, mental instability on something else. <laughs> and I want to go there. Let's shift into that. The political, the current political climate. How does that change? Do, do you guys actually see a shift in how people treat you? We have a comparison. Let's look they at look the Obama years. Let's look, let's look at the, let's, <laughs> Don't wear red hats anymore. Let's look at the Obama <laughs> years versus the Trump years or even prior to that. How, did you guys experience any difference in how people have reacted to you as white men? Any? I mean, yes. Yeah, you, for real? Yeah. Come on. Tell it. Uh, the, it's in a, I voted for Trump. <laughs> but it's assumed. Because I'm a white male, I voted for Trump. Just off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You Trump voters? Yeah, you so. voted for right. Trump, didn't you? And then I tell him, yes, I did. Would you like to know why? No. Okay, yeah. that's fine. It's automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the case of that, do you feel, is it something that you keep to yourself? No, you no, seem very I open. No, I do not. <laughs> you do not. You speak well, on I'm it. Well, I'm not afraid. So I'm not afraid of dialogue. Yeah. That's you know, true. I'm not afraid of dialogue. I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have in our society is people are afraid of dialogue. Yes. They're afraid to talk about, like, if you don't think like me, then we can't have a conversation. I can't even talk. Mm-hmm. I can't even talk to you. You know, there's lots of things that I don't agree with, but I talk about. And to put that in a political perspective, I and this is this is my opinion, but I think that the... Democrats and Republicans, left, right, whatever, they've done they've done so much to foster that division. Sure. To to hamper that dialogue. You have to have it. You, you have know. to have division. Yeah, but yeah. and I think that that's from a political standpoint, that's where that's where a lot of the problem lies. Yes. I see more I think there's more anger toward the white community since Trump took office. I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for the other person either. But I really do think there's more anger there, but I, I, I I don't think that he's doing enough. I don't think Obama did enough before him or the Bushes, whatever. I don't think anybody has done enough to really foster trying to re- to reestablish or, or restart a dialogue on race relations and bring people together. Yeah. But That's why, not that we don't we don't want that. And why would they? Yeah. Why, they no. they want us bickering yes. exactly. with, oh, yeah. with yes. each other because then they can do whatever that yes. they, they want to do. Yes. It makes to- and and that don't look at my right hand. That may, and that makes it's me y'all, y'all keep fighting yeah, yeah, yeah. Each, other. Yeah. each other. But yeah. that's what makes conversations like this a little dangerous because it is to break it down. And that's my whole goal. Oh. It is. The whole purpose it of it dangerous. is to break it down. And But, you know, just but to foster people's um, ability to take the matters in your own hands. Yeah. If you don't like it. Talk about it. The right. very fact of like being like on the show and sitting here, we're, we're all like, okay, don't say anything. We stupid. were nervous. Like it's <laughs> like that that yeah. you know that feeling of like if if you're white and you're sitting in a group of black people and you're in your brain like don't say anything that might sound racist. Blah blah blah. You right. Know? And even though in your brain you know like you don't feel a certain way, you just don't want to. Oh God, they're gonna think I'm racist now. Like you know what? That's why people don't talk about it because they all are afraid. You know, black or white, everyone's yeah. afraid to speak in a certain group. If, like, if we were in all this room full of people who voted for Trump, a person who didn't vote for Trump would be 
probably like, well, I don't really want to say. You're just like, wrong. You're yeah, wrong. I, I don't want to say like, well, why? Yeah, and you're wrong. Or a person who voted all Hillary Clinton and one Trump voter. Like, trust me, I've been in both situations because I lived in Denver and. Dallas you're wrong too. Yeah, right. <laughs> and everybody, you know, views it a different way. But um, people are afraid to say how they really feel because it might not be okay to feel that way. And like, I don't think it's necessarily okay to stay in a particular way if you feel like, well, you know what's weird? It's like when I get, you know, around people that have bipolar, I feel a little weird because I know all those people that <laughs> right. killed a lot of people that were bipolar. I'm like, yeah, but that, it doesn't mean that, like, you know, I always have, I have this thing about being bipolar that I'm afraid to tell people because then I think that's who they see me. That's that bipolar guy. Mm-hmm. And I, especially people come off stage like, oh, man, you know that bipolar stuff? And, like, I'm like, yeah, but what about my mom and all that yeah. other stuff? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what's not helping either, and i got to speak to this, is the when we're talking about the issues of school shootings and things like that. And, I mean, yes. we could go beyond, mm-hmm. but just on the surface, the, the assumption – Young white male. Yeah. Suspect was he's known angry. To known to have a mental. Known to have illness. a mental illness. Exactly. It was taking medication. And, and you know it it's it's not helping the cause. It's no. not helping the cause. What do you guys say, as men who are, are pretty open minded? I want you to talk to the white men that are listening that are in that mindset of this is the way I've always thought. This is yeah. the way I've always been. This is the way I've always done it. What would you say? Can I? Come on. Let me let me speak to that a little speak bit. Speak to it. You know, you've been talking a lot about your your bipolar diagnosis. I remember um, when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, that was just like, oh, my, no, I can't have this. Good God, I can't have this. And started taking an anti-anxiety, antidepressant medication. And that freaked me out. It freaked me the hell out. But what I want to say to guys that, are listening out there that might be going through that same stuff is you have to you have to take care of yourself you yeah. the, forget about forget about the stigma forget about oh i've got depression or oh i'm bipolar you're not your diagnosis it's it's about taking care of yourself because if you don't do that then you can't take care of anybody else it's not and i'm not trying to minimize it but it's not that big a deal to have a, a condition like this nah. and be able to manage it. It's like diabetes. Yeah. I've High seen guys pressure. with diabe- that yeah. are diabetics, they, they don't take their meds, and the next thing you know, they're drunk and talking crazy and acting like they're bipolar. Right. And I'm like, dude, this guy's the same as me. He's got to take his meds. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're, you're, that's nail on the head, dude. It's I My life has been better since I knew because even when I'm off the rails and I know, like, oh, God, like, I, I know what's going on right now. I'm being manic. I'm freaking out in the Denver airport. Like, right. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I, it's I know. It's the worst place to freak out. But it's still hard to tell yourself, like, okay, it's just that. Is it, though? You know, like, you start, you get in your head and, like, everybody hates you. Like, I, you know, I quit comedy at one point because I thought the whole scene hated me. I thought everybody was talking about me. And it was really just in my head and drugs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but that's what I appreciate yeah. about you. And this is why I had to have you on is because you're so open about it and the way we deal with it it'll eat me up if i'm not yeah and how many comedians have uh, white male comedians Mm -hmm. right i mean just a long list of it that have gone through it and you're working through it and what you're doing is you're helping to break down the stigma of it because you get on stage that's where we need to be i mean 
oh, in the well, forefront. Yeah, you got to talk. Well, I talk about my diabetes, or I talk. It's the same thing. You got. Yeah. You have to be open about it. If there's going to be any changes <laughs> yeah. made People about say, it, like, I, maybe you shouldn't talk about that one. I'm like, no, nah, man. I'm talking about it now for sure because you just said that. <laughs> Tell me not to, and I will. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, there's someone out there, and, and sometimes maybe because it. it's recent, you know. Like I, I won't point out. Like I, I had specific experiences with the person I was dating, and I never point out them specifically or say anything bad about them. I talk about how crazy I was being. I don't mm-hmm. even talk about the things that made me crazy or anything. You know, it's just like I just talk about my reactions because uh, p- most of it has to do with like what it, the drugs were doing to my brain and yeah. how it made me react to situations. It's totally different than how I would normally, and that woke me up. Uh, it was a blessing. But because number one, I got a lot of material out of it. <laughs> right. But number two, it made me realize, like, wow, you were being a crazy person. What did I say and do when I was, like, out of my mind? Because I didn't remember her, a lot of stuff about, like, what I said. And I thought, there was a time I thought everyone hated me, so I probably said a bunch of mean stuff about people that I really would never have said. And yeah. I didn't mean. So I had to, like, go in public and say, hey, I'm probably said some stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't that. recall what I yeah. said, but it was and probably even, not even pleasant. Growing up <laughs> and I'm as, sorry. As a white guy, you learn there are probably things that us as white men we bury down deep, mm-hmm. you know, times whenever we weren't being considerate and maybe like when we were just around our white friends and we say this joke that we think is funny and then we realize later like I was being pretty mm-hmm. like that was pretty yeah. Bad. Yeah. yeah and all I'm doing is fueling behind the curtains because I've been in the situation more recently where I was back home and I got stuck in this car uh, we were all in the car for a reason and like <laughs> we all got stuck in there and I'm in the back in between two guys and I can't get out and they start kind of talking about rap music and they were talking about they, these guys love rap music, but then they were kind of being racist about the people singing it. And it was the weirdest thing. I was like, how ironic is this? Like, to be wow. sitting here, like, cutting down <laughs> the people who are singing this song that you like, but you're supporting it. It's like, and I couldn't even get out of the car, so I couldn't get away from it. But then I thought, like, just because, like, you know, I'm white and these other guys were white, like, shouldn't I have said something? Shouldn't I have been like, hey, man, you know, it's not really cool to think like that anymore. But then I was also afraid that I might get the crap kicked out of me. There's another one. There's another thing that I... Sometimes it's worth getting the crap kicked out of me. (laughs) I want to ask you guys that because that's another question that was presented to me. Do you guys feel responsible to talk to people that you see who are being... um, you know, inappropriate concerning other groups. Do you feel that as a responsibility as a white man? I think it is for everybody. I, 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 yeah, I don't think it has to do with being a white male. I, 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 and, for me, and here's it's my moral point. compass. Here's my it's, point. And here's my point. I am starting to realize I can't tell a person. They're not going to hear me, mm-hmm. right? I feel like the only way that it changes is if that's... If I'm going to say you guys are a tribe of, of men, I would say, hey, your dudes over there are being irresponsible with what they're saying, what they're doing to other people. Well, Handle your boy. Yeah. Do you feel that, res- that that's where I'm well, coming there's, from? Because there's, there's like, I can't check I've you. I've been in a situation where people don't like being censored. Like, like, people don't like sometimes either whenever a white, if a white guy is going to decide what's offensive to other people, that people don't like that. Right. But there's that gentle persuasion part where you're like, hey, man, I know you're just trying to be funny, but maybe we shouldn't say that anymore, you know? Like, and I almost include myself in the act of what that person doing it. 
so that they don't feel like they're making the decision alone to be different, right. to think about it differently. It's a little, you know, more honey for bees or whatever the saying is. Right, right. But instead of be attacking someone and saying, hey, man, sure. you know, you can't say that word, you know, you know, and then people are like, well, who are you to tell me? You're white. You right. don't tell me what I can and can't say. And so what, we have to wait for a black person to come along and put someone in check. No, there's just other ways, I think, to get the point across without attacking. Because I feel like, I feel like for for me to do it or for us to do it. I don't I, me personally I don't I understand and recognize obviously because of my background, my training, things I've learned that people are people. They're going to mm-hmm. do what they do. But mm-hmm. how do we address it you know directly I I feel like so so in other words, I feel responsible for black women so to speak. You know, I'm a representative of my tribe, and so I'm checking the people that I relate to. I can't really, you know, if somebody's being racist, me saying something to that person is just going to feel them more. Sure. It's Mm going to be more powerful coming from someone that is of their tribe. Does that make sense? They they may either completely pull white back, like, man, you know, and then maybe like even say some things that are not nice to you and walk away and blow you off yeah. and completely cut you off but who wants to be around someone like that anyway but or they may say you know what man you're right like I say that too much I shouldn't say it you know and then cause there's sometimes I think people are just trying to be funny and like in the past you know when I'm when I was younger I remember times whenever I'm like man I was just being stupid but I would never say that if my black friend was sitting on the couch you know? and it's like I, I had to <laughs> or you do the look yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that everybody says yeah. you, know, you always turn and look around first. Yeah. But what the worst thing is when someone's telling you, like they think they're telling you a racist joke on someone that they're cool with, and like you hear the joke and you're just like, ah, ah. Like, yeah. you're just like, what do I do? Do I tell the guy like, hey, that's really racist? You probably shouldn't tell that joke, or just ignore the guy and walk away. But there's 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 no real good in between, and that's the hardest part. I, I, this pastor back home at my church uh, said that uh, I can't remember the exact uh, quote that he said, but the right thing to do is not always easy, and the wrong thing to do is probably the easiest thing to do. Yeah, So, always. like, yeah, it's always going to be the it's hardest how the universe thing. works. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's, it's going to be hard to do the right thing, but, you know, there comes that whole trust in God part where, you know, <laughs> for not everybody will believe in that, but, like, for me, I just know what I feel inside, like, what is right. Moral. That, yeah, I try to tell myself, like, you know, and if I made a mistake or I think I made a mistake, I always try to go and apologize. That's one thing that my my dad taught me, the dad that raised me. Uh, so know. what is in, – in, I told you guys it was going to go really fast, and I want to sum it up. What what is, what is the white man's burden in America? What is it that that, that is the – as we as we connect this with you know their social issues clearly i go back to and this is sociology um it's really important but durkheim's theory of suicide i don't know if you remember that from sociology classes but basically how connected people are to a society whether you're a person that's a part of society or you you know you don't feel like you're a part of it anymore um he said that's a big part of it for white men maybe not feeling connected you know to the other groups we're not as collective america is a place that's like you get your own you pull yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. you do it by yourself you've got this it's not like we're we're a bunch of different tribes living in this big mm-hmm. place maybe that's what's going on maybe we're maybe we feel like we don't have anyone do you feel that way as a white man do you feel like it's just you and your family 
and that's it. And you're not really connected to the to the other tribes. I think that going back, I'm trying to condense this, but if you look at the way that it's been for white Americans in general, mm-hmm. it'd be much easier to hide mental instability and make it easier to get along through life than if you were a black African American. I mean, you coming up through all the way back from slavery, from the times like you have to be a certain type of person to endure a lot of things that people have gone through yeah. uh, that aren't white. And so it's not so easily, uh, you're not you're not so pampered. Uh, whereas like okay. at, at this point in time now, I feel like it's so much easier <coughs> to get away with being uh, bipolar too if, if you're a white guy. Um, as long as you don't, well, even people were saying, even if, saying you, like, even if you shoot up a school, because people were saying, saying like, but homeboy got, yeah. hey, we put you in handcuffs, we didn't shoot you dead. The, and there's there's another privilege that people are saying is can, there. Yeah, you yeah. can feel like you're ostracized from, you know, you don't have any kind of sense of identity. But I think a lot of it is, yeah, communication, people not talking to their kids enough, making them feel important. Because they need to feel like they're important. Otherwise, they're going to say, well, I'm going to be important then. You yeah. know? And so I don't. I never had those thoughts, but I think that it's just as a um, – I think a lot – our a white man's burden is just to listen at this point. We've been taught our whole our whole time coming up to now. We're the talkers. We're the ones that figure it out and make the decisions and do all that. We just need to learn to, like, sit back and listen, you know. What do you guys say? Well, I mean, in the, in the meantime, being yeah. the – the talker and figuring it out, the provider and doing all that thing, yeah. we're neglecting ourselves. Yes. Yes. Our that, communication yeah. about yeah. emotions and feelings mm-hmm. and thoughts. Yeah. Understanding is, others. Yeah. I mean, it's nil. Yeah. And the number one way you can prevent suicide is by communication. Telling someone. Right. That's deep. Yeah. That's, oh, that's so deep to, right there. In having, let's sum it all up. Oh, man. Let me say that. So, and having to be so focused and worried on what you touched on, what other people think about you as a white man. Am Where I doing and what am I supposed to be doing? Am I doing it in the right places with the right people? Am I not hurting those people? Mm-hmm. You neglect the self. And then when you neglect the self emotionally, the emotions get out of hand. Right. Uh-huh. Projection happens Mm -hmm. now i've got to go blame or i'm putting my emotions on other people and hurting other people and the the key is to communicate to talk to open up Mm -hmm. so we came full circle yep you guys are some brave dudes (laughs) you know you know that right like you and every like every person that has come in here and sat has been you know brave and opened up particularly white men like i just think you guys had not had the platform to speak where it do, people don't judge it and make it sound like you know you're insensitive or you're 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 not compassionate about the burden of other tribes in the united states um you need to be heard as well. I think I'm learning that we don't listen, especially as women, we don't listen to men as a whole, but particularly I think what society in America, we have to be very careful about is tuning other people's needs Mm -hmm. and troubles out. Right. And, and it's, I mean, it's just that simple. Listen, listen, listen. And, and people's anger, their emotions, 
that's communication. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get to that point. We don't want to get to right. the point where people are feeling they got to fight you and shoot, yeah. shoot you up. Uh, and that goes with any tribe. So yeah. we are, man, we're winding down. This is, I told you guys it would go so fast. Um, what I want to do is, John, tell the folks where you're going to be this weekend. Um, at Hyenas Fort Worth, downtown of Commerce. Two shows tonight. 8.30, 10.30, and then two shows tomorrow, 8 o'clock and 10.30. Sweet. So just call up there and tell them John Brown sent you, and you get some free tickets. John Brown sent you, and you get free tickets out of it. Like, yeah. go figure. That's what we do. And I'll be there. <laughs> and, and he'll be there. He'll be telling some jokes. Um, I'm getting you guys prepared for um, my show. I'm opening for Hope Flood uh, June 23rd at the One Love Lounge in Arlington, Texas, Uh so excited about this gonna be with queen sylvie miss cotton uh it should be a really funny show some really funny ladies uh coming through um didn't i tell you guys it would go fast yeah Mm -hmm. you did did. and quick it went quick and how many different directions could we have come i know i was trying like to it's hard to focus yeah Mm -hmm. it It is but it but it opens up and, and i think you guys brought it full circle i think uh, the number one thing, and especially Ken, you threw it out there, is like, you know, we don't we don't talk, we don't open up um, to parents. Really quickly, as we're wrapping up here, what do you say to parents? How do that? What what should they be telling, particularly their boys? What should they be telling their boys as far as mental health and their wellness goes? What do okay, they need to hear? So, what you need to do as a parent is keep an open line of communication. That doesn't mean, "Hey, Johnny, how are you doing?" "Oh, I'm doing fine." "Okay, Johnny, I'll talk to you later." Um, you have to watch. You have to look at them. Mm-hmm. Body language tells you a lot of what's going on. Facial expressions tell you a lot. You have to um, be the example. You have to be able to sit in front of your kids and talk with your spouse or whomever is involved and be able to communicate effectively and appropriately to show them the right way to talk about things mm-hmm. and that it's okay to talk about things. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the, most, the most important thing you can do. Now, you also have to have structure and things like that to yeah. go along with it. You can't, just, you can't just let it be free run yeah. mm-hmm. because uh, free run and adolescent and, 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 and the youth – is dangerous. Too late. Too late in the game. Yep. Ken, quick. Self awareness and engagement. Be aware of how your behaviors are affecting your children and be fully engaged in what's going on with them. Yeah. John Brown. Yeah, I, like I said, just communicate with them, talk to them, um, you know, acknowledge that they do make their own decisions, but they come with consequences just like in real life. Yeah. I love that you said, uh, uh, Ken, it's, you know, self awareness. In that self-awareness, you know, show them, God, man, if you, I, I, we get it. Some of y'all are raised in places that we get it. It's generational. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, we didn't touch on it, but in, in many cases, it's fear of lack. It's fear of not surviving. That is the basis of what we quote call racism, right? Mm-hmm. That is what it is. So if you are that person that is fearful, deal with it. Right. You can see a qualified therapist that will help you deal with it. I'm just throwing it out there that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you can get in touch with me. Uh, please visit the website. I've uh, been updated it. I've optimized it. www.mentalspeakradio.com. 
you can hit me up lt at middlespeakradio.com i've had a lot of people reach out to me uh, so we got a lot of great shows coming um next week we're going to be talking about um uh gay transformation right those uh programs that target people uh to try to uh straighten out the gay so that should be a very interesting show got so much more coming for you guys uh you tuning in you made mental speak the show of the month thank you so much looked at the analytics again this week we saw uh i feel like i'm it's like romper room here like i see kenya and soviet union or was it russian federation and and all these other countries that are checking in i thank you so much because you could be doing anything other than listening but you listen in and i hope that you've gotten some nuggets of truth out of this i want to say thank you to shane ken and john for coming in and just opening up for a very touchy subject it's a little bit scary thank y'all so much for for coming in and sitting in and to you mental speak family i'm gonna be here next friday Hit me up. Any questions? Uh, I got you covered. All right. Uh, see you next week. LT out. <laughs>